we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my best bud, Tony. What's up, Tom? What's going on, brother? Um, I feel like we're about to blast off. I have a feeling this is going to be one of the funniest podcasts to date. I think you're right. I actually kind of think that we can just open the mics and then go have dinner. Right. (laughs) 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 You could could be right there. You know, every time I'm in this guy's presence, man, I haven't stopped laughing yet. I know. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? This dude, man. This dude's pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty funny. So uh, once again, we are at the uh, Cosmoprof Mid-Atlantic Fashion Focus, the longest name in all hair shows in America. Um, and uh, again, I mean, just the opportunities that we get to talk to people when um, when we do these live events is just incredible. Yeah. And this dude's skills just as, as big as his personality. There's no doubt. You know what we, I mean? Uh, well, we saw um, what's it, what, Many of Things. Is that her name? Many Anythings. Many Anythings. Yeah, yeah. Many Anythings. We saw her last night at a party and... and, and uh, uh, Keon, who's our guest today, Keon the barber, um, you know, he cut it up and it looked rad. Yeah, all those inside fades. I and love those inside barbering. fades. I yeah. know. So cool. So yeah. should we get in, man? Yeah, I, man. I mean, the cat's out of the bag a little bit. Yeah. Ready? So, Mr. Keon the barber. What is it, Washington? Keon Washington? Yes, Keon Washington. Keon Washington. Washington. Yes. Welcome yes. to your day off. Uh, thank you for having me here. I love, I'm so in, ex- happy to be here <laughs> with you guys, man. I've been waiting for my turn. <laughs> it's your turn, <laughs> man. Waiting. We, we might have to retire after this. I've really been waiting, man. It's right. just a good experience to be here. <laughs> <laughs> to finally have my turn. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. So we, go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much, man, for joining us, Thanks brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. yeah. So so before we we get into the Laugh Fest, man, where are you from? Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, let me, let me say it how we say it. I'm trying to be proper right now. Greenville, South Carolina. We take the R-O out. Greenville, South Carolina. So, how do you uh, spell that? Right, C A L I N A. Kalana. 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 Like, like if you added a pin, you go to sleep after Kalana pin. Kalana. Kalana. Where were you born? 
I was actually born here in Virginia. Well, okay, below right. Maryland in Virginia. Like maybe I don't know how far we are exactly from this location, but I was born maybe. Do you know where um, Oak Hall, Princess Anne is? No. Like so, Oak Hall and Princess Anne is like a little bit above Chincoteague Island. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Like yeah, yeah. maybe like twenty five minutes above Chincoteague. Okay. And I was born maybe forty five minutes below Oak Hall in Tijuana. So the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, actually. Yeah. Because where I'm from is completely flyby. You would never stop there for any reason. I'm from like truly country, podunk towns, like great people and stuff, but like country, backwoods, cornfields, cotton fields, you name it, it's that. So the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, the bridge, 23 miles long, actually 17 miles over water, completely goes underwater twice. When you, if you were coming from Richmond across the bridge, going into the Cape, you know, Cape Charles Beach and all that stuff. Right. Then you would hit where I lived. Once you hit land, you would hit where I lived in like 20 minutes. You would hit where I was born at. And it's a place called Nassawatics, Virginia. Nassawatics. In, in 31 years, no matter who I've ever talked to, they've never, ever heard of where I'm from, no matter what. <laughs> I think even, you made it up. Even people who live like 30 minutes from it have never heard of it. Get out <laughs> really? of And it, it's like, the, honestly, it, the population of it right now is under 500. Wow. When people say I'm from a small town, like how many people they like, oh, like maybe 30, 40,000, like 500. <laughs> like you talking about business getting out. <laughs> wow. And how many of them are kin? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Go your room, boy. <laughs> you ain't my daddy. No, you were mine. So <laughs> it's like, no, that's a terrible joke. It's a terrible joke. But no, it's like really, really, really country, man. Really country. Like you might come out of a gas station and step over a chicken and get in your car and act like you didn't just step over a chicken. <laughs> like <laughs> you got to play it off. But I was born in Nassawatics, Virginia. And I mean, it, it was my roots here. And I moved to South Carolina in 1995. Okay. And that was, I was eight years old, I want to say. Yeah, 87 and 95. So I was eight years old, seven, turning, transitioning to eight. Right. And then I've been there, between there and North Carolina and back. So from South Carolina to, to North, North Carolina, Carolina, back to South, South Carolina? Carolina? Yes. That's all. How old were you when you moved back to South Carolina? Um, so I moved back to South Carolina. I moved to North Carolina from 01 to 04. So I moved back to South Carolina in 2004. And you were like so, a teenager then, yeah? Yes, I was um, 16, I want to say 15, 16 when I moved mm -hmm. back. And that's actually right after I started cutting hair for the first time. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. When did you start cutting hair? Go ahead, Bert. So the first time I cut hair was maybe, I, I'm not sure if it was 02 or 03, but I was actually 15 when I did my first haircut. So it was 02 or 03, one of them. So with no training, you just picked up a head and just went? Not at all. I'm actually self-taught. Really? Yes. Completely. What? Yeah, so I started cutting hair in 0203, and it was literally in like an accident, not even an accident per se, just it was like a spin of fate. A buddy of mine, we grew up, you know, we, were, we weren't, we were poor. It was, mm -hmm. is what it is. And he was like, you know, we couldn't afford to go to a barbershop. I can't think of honestly going in three years in North Carolina, I went to a barbershop maybe two to three times max because we couldn't just afford that as a leisure. So he was like, hey, you know, uh, would you cut my hair? We had to go to like a little party and stuff, and I was like, sure. And I had picked up some um, walls from like a, I thought it was kind of, but it was walls. So it was like in a little pair you get from Walmart or mm -hmm. anywhere that has like everything in it. You buy it, it has like a cape, shears, right, right, right. guards, uh, lube, a little black person for about from 35 a, <laughs> a, a, a lawn chair. It has everything in that kit for like 10 bucks. And I cut his hair, but I, did, I couldn't just cut it down and not make it look good. So I, I went and tried to make it look like something because in my head I see stuff and I have to make it. I had to make it and mm -hmm. it looked good and he was like you know other people were like hey would you do mines so it just went on from that and so y'all went to the same party yeah i mean so, so th that means he cut your hair 
No, no, no. I, I went, I went, you, no, you mistake me. I went ugly. I went ugly, but I'm full of confidence. So I didn't care. Like, you know, I'm the ugly. I was the ugly friend who didn't. Like, you could, you know how guys are. Like, you know, you were like, hey, we going out tonight. You were like, yeah, man, you ugly. Nobody going to hit on you. I'm like, yeah, after a few drinks, I'll be crude. <laughs> I'm ugly, but I'm confident. <laughs> and that goes a long way. <laughs> it sells it all. So, yeah, that was my I think first that's the name of the podcast. So, right? So, did you just cut your own hair, or you just, like you said, you just left it alone? I really left it alone. It was weird. Like, I mean, I, I, I would cut it down sometimes and stuff like that, but I wouldn't, you know, and I would try to, like, line it up, stuff like that, but I would just, I didn't really, I was more into rocking the natural, like, than just cut down mm-hmm. and waves, you know, do rag and all that good stuff. Or I had, uh, you know, grew it out a little bit. And Tried different styles that I, I tried, but mostly it was just cut down with the do rag and stuff like I got right now to get these waves. Mm-hmm. So, do you, do you, um, were you even before you started cutting hair, were you into art and stuff? Yeah, so I was like, man, I was like, you know, whenever they say it's not about what you uh, you can do, it's what you're meant to do. And I, I, since birth, I was like the kid who came home from school with a note, like he did great on his test. But he drew on everything. <laughs> like there's no style. It was no style. It was Ricky Bobby of art. Like, you know, I want to go fast. I was like, I just, I got to. I can't not. It is not right. You know, like, like you know that when your knees jumping, like the person right. has a leg that's always jumping. I gotta like like this. That's me. I got to. Right. I have to. And so back then it was. It, it's. It, I can honestly say it's always been. Like people say, you know, I was born. I, I literally, as long as I can remember, I was doing things that were artistic. I was creating. Like I would, I would invent stuff as a kid, and I always like MacGyver. Like I would MacGyver <laughs> things. So like, all right. So I went to parachute. I parachuted for the first time probably at nine years old. Right, myself. You know what I did? I took one of the big forty-gallon trash bags from like you know you get it bottled like the heavy-duty lawn chair ones, and I took tape, like duct tape, and like four shoestrings from my shoes, and I cut holes in four corners, wow. and I tied the shoestrings to them and taped around them and tied them to my waist and jumped out the top of the house. <laughs> did it help? It worked. I parachuted off the house. I floated down slow. What? I didn't break a leg or anything. It worked. Get out of here. If I call man. my mother, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it worked. And so I would. So another thing is, like you know, I had a southern, you know, grew up in the south, southern mama. They have these wicker basket and flowers and stuff like that that are fake flowers, but they, you know, they have styrofoam at the base of it, covered right. by some little, you know, like kelp looking stuff, seaweed or whatever, and like fake grass. Mm-hmm. And underneath it, the flowers would be stuck in it by a little point that would wrap around the end. It's like a metal little dagger, and the ends would clamp around it like a, like a cotter pin or something. And you stick it into the foam, and that's how the fake flowers stuck up. Right, so right. what I did was I used to make bow and arrows. I used to love, like, Indian in the cupboard as a kid. So I made my own bow and arrows. Like, I used to love ninja stars and stuff. So I took, and I would go outside. I would get tree um, branches, ones that were straighter. And if they weren't super straight, I would break them until they were straight. And then I would take little rubber bands, little packs, like you do hair with, like, you know, mm-hmm. like Lala might do an updo with. And I would take and break the... I would take the flower out of the basin, like one or two of them, and so she wouldn't notice. And I would take the basin <laughs> off, and I would rip the little metal dagger pieces off, and I would take them and put them to the stick, take the rubber bands and tie big, thick knots because they would give them weight to get project to be projectiles. And then I would take and take a knife and just saw into the stick and make a part. And I would take a bent piece of wood, like a branch, and take a lot of rubber bands and connect them all the way down and tie them around the ends, and I have my own bow and arrow now. Get that's, out of here! That's yeah. incredible. I mean, even if today you can see this is real, because like I'm, I really try to figure out innovative, innovative ways to do things, even if it's just for funny. Like the other day on Facebook, I showed people if you don't have a microwave, because I don't have a microwave in my barbershop. Not because I can't afford one, I just haven't bought one. In <laughs> <laughs> two years, I haven't bought a. I'm like, you know, I don't need it. I can do it myself. So I took one of the modern elements trays, carts that barbers <laughs> use with uh, like stylists use, 
and it has two metal racks on each side, but it has an option to put both of them on one side. So I took the rack from the other side, turned it upside down, and stuck it in the upper one. And then I took some frame-off foils and a, a full freak. I took the frame-off foils and a full freak um, thing that you can make your own custom link yeah, foils yeah, yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And I took I and, that thing, I wrapped them way. around the top rack. And then I took my blow dryer and I stuck it on the bottom rack and pulled the cord through. And then I put my food on top rack and I just turned the blow dryer on high and heated it up. I burnt my damn tongue. <laughs> Really? I made a microwave. It was like it's on Facebook Live still right now from the other day before I came here. Like two days before I <laughs> oh came here. Gosh. You can we go back and look up. at it. Yeah, we're going to definitely and then check I just that made, out. I'm gonna, so stay tuned because when I get home, I'm posting one on how to make bacon without like a thing. I took a flat iron, a four-inch barrel flat iron, and I wrapped some frame off foil into it and then wrapped it around. And now I can just turn it on high and put one single piece of bacon around the outside if I went crispy and put it on high <laughs> and put it on low to get like softer bacon. <laughs> It's funny, but it works. Like, if we ever get stranded on an island, you want me to be on that plane. Right. <laughs> Word. I get it, I man. want to be lost with Keon. But like, so, so basically, I went off, but all of it stemmed from when I was a kid. Like, my creativity has always made me think, like, I, I like, and that's how I come to, like, today's time and what we live in. I love that we're in an era where everybody's talking about our problems, but I'd rather be in a place, in a room with people talking about solutions because we all know the problems now. So back then, if I think of something like, how can I do that? I'm like, let's just do it. But instead of thinking like, hey, I don't have that, you're like, I can like how can I'm I gonna do create that? that. And that's and that's the beauty of life. Like to me, you know, I, when I'm teaching my classes and I give like the whole mental aspect of it and you know how would you think mentality, like I tell people, this bottle of water, your shirt, this podcast, that hat, the phone, everything in here has one common thing. In the world, everything started out as a thought. And that's how powerful thinking is. So positive thinking, negative thinking, like if everything started as a thought and somebody made it a reality. And as soon as I have a thought, I'm thinking, how can I make it a reality? You can spend all day talking about thoughts and ideas. It's like how Shark Tank works. We don't want to hear about an idea. We want to see it mm. or at least an attempt at it. Right. And I just don't waste any time. I just go at it. And that's how powerful, like in, in classes, people are like, but I think if you think, you're right. You know, whether you think you can, you think you can't, you're right. That's like an old saying. I'm pretty sure I'm going to say it wrong, but it's so powerful about like you know, peace of mind, like letting people think what they want because you can't take people, you can't break people from wh where their mind is. They have to do that. And it was a saying about like a wise man. It's like the guy asked him like, "How are you so? How you live your life so peaceful? And how do you avoid drama?" So like he was like, "I don't argue with people who are idiots." And the guy was like, "He's like, I don't argue with people who are idiots. He gets you nowhere." And the guy was like, "Hey, you're wrong." He was like, "He was like, I don't agree with that." He was like, "You're right." <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's my approach to life. Uh, you can't change people. It literally just happened to me at the bar downstairs before I came up here. I told you, like, three or four people were like, you know who you look like? Jamie Foxx. I was like, I hear that every day. And then one guy drunk at the bar, some barber here at the battle, at the show, turned around and was like, hey, man, I don't think you look like him. I was like, okay. I didn't get mad. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And then he kept going. He was like, hey, look. And everybody was talking. He was like, I'm going to be the, you know, I'm pretty sure you're going to get mad at this, but I got to disagree, dude. I was like, all right. I didn't say I look like him. They did. <laughs> I'm just here to get a drink. Right. <laughs> going about my business. Right. Yeah. Like, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Why are you mad at me? Like, right. so that, was, that was like an attempt to get me to react. I'm like, right. I'm unbothered, dude. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm unbothered. I got to go to do a podcast with some cool ass dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever they think I look like is what I look like. <laughs> so Jamie Foxx. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how, I mean, that's a pretty mature kind of like, and not mature and like old or not, but just in, in, in life. I mean, how'd you get there? Because cutting your buddy's hair. Conditioning. Yeah. Conditioning. Long before hair, long before it's like, 
I have a lot of sayings, and I, I always have a lot of sayings because I always try to paint people a picture. I know you have auditorial learners, visual learners, and hands-on learners and stuff, but I always think if you can paint someone a picture, it's like vantage points. You know, you might not see it from this angle, but I always got to show you multiple angles before I react or, you know, see. Before I react, I have to see something from multiple angles. Like, I can look at you and say this, but if I look at it from this side of your point of view or his, now I understand it better. You created something today with multiple yeah, angles. Yeah, like d- the double-sided selfie. Yeah. <laughs> it's genius. The double-sided selfie. Everybody, there is, everybody can, if you think of it hard right now, there's been a time where you saw a picture and said, I wonder what was going on back there in right. the background. <laughs> and so today we took a picture forward, a selfie with a group, and then we took, I took, someone took a selfie from the front, I took a selfie from the back at the exact same moment. And they went, posted together, now you can see what was happening in the back. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that movie with Will Ferrell called Other Guys, him and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember the face back app? <laughs> All right. Look at you. He had the face back. Like, you know, we got criminals. If somebody robs a bank and then you see the back of their head, the app could allow you to, like, diagnostically determine what the front of their face is like from the back of their head. <laughs> of course, that's a movie script, but we did something real life here with a double sided selfie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, man. like, I mean, like, just honestly looking at things from different vantage points, like me, I, I grew I, I feel like. I like and again I'm gonna re- I'm gonna so everybody FYI during this podcast it's gonna be a whole lot of referencing because I feel like it gives you a visual but the movie Batman the Dark Knight with um Bane yeah. right he was raised in darkness Vin Diesel Chronicles of Riddick he was bred in dark he was he lived in darkness so that was his natural habitat right and he learned how to navigate the dark because of that's how he was brought up in it like I have a very hard life and through this podcast I'm pretty sure we end up at a, a lot of spots because through questions we can't avoid them but like I always say in solitude you find out who you are like you never notice when you see those shows about locked up or scared straight or whatever and they're in prison these guys have been doing like 30 years in jail but they are some of the most talented individuals on the planet and you wonder how are you in here in solitude you find out who you are in solitude you find out who you are and in life situations you always find out what you're made of when it happens just like the barber battle earlier and I told the guys the ones who don't win this is like they battle we announce the winners first second third place all that good stuff but none of that mattered who won or who lost it mattered at the at the end of it when we announced the results this is what shows you who you are and what you want because if you like like me you're going to be hyped like, dude, we're going to get you next ball <laughs> battle. We're going to get you the next one versus, man, this is rigged or whatever. It's not fair. You know, right. what do right. you want to do now? How are you going to take it? It's not about getting knocked down. It's about how many times you got up. So my life is really, man, it's a movie. Anybody who knows me, it's, 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 y'all are going to hear some stuff that's like, like, how did that happen? Or damn. And it's like, but through it all, the one thing I've never done is like, I've never given up. And I never will. Like, um, dude. I'm, I'm like life knocks me out. I'm like, oh, it's all. <laughs> I got like I call it the Michael Jordan smile, right? Like you know when he like, you played basketball with him, you saw somebody dunk on him, and he's like, you like after you just jammed on Michael Jordan, and you see him coming out of the court like this, laughing, chewing bubblegum like this. Like why is this guy smiling at me? I just posterized him. You should be scared now. If you go to fight a guy at a bar, you punch him hard as hell, and he gets up, and he's like this. Oh, thanks, bro. Like, oh, I'm gonna die. I'm about to die. Like, I just gave this guy all I had, and he smiled and was like, "Oh yeah, oh no." <laughs> right? Like, life really tried it. It's life tried me, and I'm still here. So I'm like, that's how I came. And and like I said earlier, you don't pay, you don't, you know, get scammed or you get shitted on money or scheme, you know, get schemed out of money. You pay for a lesson. You don't get a bad haircut. You learned. You right. paid not to get that haircut again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I get ready for the party. Come to my buddy. Oh, no. I went there last. Like, I went there two years ago. 
Never again do McDonald's. <laughs> a like freaking Vladimir Putin or Dracula on drugs. I had like a widow's peak like Lawrence Fishburne from Boys in the Hood. <laughs> Man, that, I mean, that's such a positive way to, to look at life. I think that's, and I think that's the only way. I think that you know a lot of people like that like that saying, how do you live drama free and all that stuff? It's like this world has it is it's so many reasons right now to cry, be angry, and we all know that. If you get on social media right now, it's like the worst place to be. It's the worst best, best place to be. Mm-hmm. Misplaced information. People that don't look at vantage points, they see one article and they're immediately a politician now. And they share it, or they see one fake news thing or something about you that someone said and they share it. And they're like, Corey's a bad guy, you know? It's not like you don't know me. That was someone else said about me. Have you ever talked to me? Right, right. All of us have had a person in life who doesn't like us, who's never even met us. So all of us have asked my talk about you to another friend, like, "Hey, you know them?" They're like, "No, nah, I mean, he's a d bag." Like, right? You never even met me. You just heard what people told you about me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and like I, the way I figured, why not? You know, like why not be happy versus being? But do you know how you got there? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I got there by, I got there by never ever going, never ever trying to go left, or right, the fork in the road. You got to go at it. You know, the roadblocks, the humps. You can't go around them. You're always, like, those roadblocks and stuff, the way I feel about them, they're infinite. The story, perfect right here, the analogy, the story of the tortoise and the hare. It took me, like, maybe, I think I figured this out three, four years ago, but the story of tortoise and the hare, you know, the rabbit lost the race, even though he was, like, dramatically faster than the turtle. And I figured out the meaning of the story because it's like the rabbit. You know, in the story, the turtle just starts humping along on the street. You know, he's humping along going slow as a snail. And, like, the rabbit just took off. It's almost like he was at the finish line already. But the rabbit was, like, so fast that he believed, I can take my precious time. Or I can just, you know, I'm, I can showboat or whatever. I can take a nap and all that stuff. And he ended up losing. But in life, to me, that's like the turtle is symbolic of someone who never took a shortcut and tried to, to do something that you can't do. Like, you know, I think the rabbit, even though he was fast, he was doing this right here. You know, make it like through a maze because he overcomplicated things by thinking, you know, being arrogant, thinking I've learned everything. I know it. I'm too fast. I can't be beaten. Versus the turtle who's like, you know what? Just keep humping along and going the straight, you know, going the way you got to go. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to try to take a shortcut. I'm just going to do it the right way. And at the end, I figured out if that was the right, if, if, why, the, why that was the right way or why it wasn't the right way. And the rabbit figured out why it wasn't the right way. That's a person <laughs> in life who schemes people, you know, pyramid scams or isn't a good person who, has a, who knows when they meet you, they don't have a good intentions for you, but they play on you to get what they want out of a situation and stuff. So I believe that I've just, I've, I've learned that everybody has a backstory. Everybody has a violent story. And, you know, and we could all, but there are a lot of people who are professional victims. And y'all know them. We all see them online. You know, somebody you know who's like always something going on with them, no matter what, no matter what. People you don't even want to talk to because you know they're going to bring you down immediately. I believe people can come up to you with like five demons and leave with two. But like, yeah. you know, every time you talk to them, That's it's going to be truth. something down. You're like, dang, I'm, I've been happy all day. And then you meet a person that you run into a person you like and you leave from them mad. How did that happen? (laughs) And those those are the people who are like professional victims, no matter what. Like, you know, man, I can't believe this jerk hit me. Like, this cop pulled me over for no reason. Like, no, you probably were speeding. I've been pulled over and I was actually doing what he said I was doing. Like, but they're always, it's never them. Like, relationships. There are people who are, who never acknowledge they were the, they were the, um, the, the the parasitic person. They would never acknowledge they, they were the venom. That they were the toxic person in a relationship and they'll never have a successful one because of that. Like, we've all been that toxic person. You know, we've all not paid so enough So you're 31 attention. years old. Yes. But I'm from the country, so, like, in my, my bring, upbringing here in Virginia, like, literally, like I said, I was born here, right? So you know where we live here. You have, like, Tyson's and Purdue is down there. It's really prominent over this area, chicken farms and stuff. And as a kid, I remember working there. Like, I mean, like, you know, youngest, like, a kid, I remember, like, helping kill chickens and stuff like that. 
and mm. and been moving the sick ones away from the alive ones so they wouldn't get the remainder in place of them sick. Like, you know, you might have a chicken house with like 35,000 chickens in it, and a lot of them are sick in there, and they're going to make other ones sick if they are, you know, sick and infected. So you got to get them out of there before they infect. Or if they're dying, you know, go ahead and put them out of that misery. You know how it goes. You've seen the, you know, things like, mm -hmm. but I've had a work ethic since I was a kid, and I was raised by a single mother for the most part with five kids. So I watched her work hard and my father was always a hardworking man. So I, all I knew was work as a kid and it carried on. And not just that, the lessons with it. Like the fact that I was the, the like kind of the prodigy of my mother's kids. Like cause I'm a, I'm a I, I, my mother, you know, I'm one of five. And, um, and one passed away. That's a story that we probably will get into later. But um, of all of them, I just had, like I said, the arts. I've always had a gift for making stuff happen. The art, creating stuff. I've had an eye. I wanted to invent things. I wanted to be an inventor. I was always drawing. I, I taught myself how to tumble and do gymnastics. I did everything. I taught myself how to cut hair. So I've always been that. So a weight came on me. You know, when we moved to South Carolina, because, you know, single mom, and it's like even when she had a boyfriend, you know, he was really abusive to her. He beat her all the time every day for 10 years. So having to be that kind of kid that is the one out of all the kids who understand. When you got five kids as an adult, you know they don't understand. But what would you do if you had one who knew, who understood? Mm. A lot of stuff's going to fall on him. Right. Even if he's not even the youngest. I'm, I'm the middle child. Even if I'm not the oldest, I understood. And that, like, she, you know, I, I became her pillar, like, as far as you know how to help me. Versus not just being a kid who thinks he's doing what mommy told him. I understand. That's tough, bro. I, I understood. Yeah. Understood. And that's what made me where I'm at because I took all of those things. And like I said, it's not about what happens to you. It's what you do when it happens. And that's how life is. Simple. So even as a middle child, did you find that you were in a position to coach your siblings? Yes. And, and not more so. And, it, and it, it's still bred down. Like, we, you know, like I love my brothers and sisters to death. I love all of them. Even in, you know, no matter how distant you don't love all of them equally. Yeah, no, I love I love them. You know, even when you don't like them, you know, I love them. I love them all equally. Like, you know, when you like a friend, like I like, I like, I'd, I'd kill them, but I'd never hurt them. <laughs> like, I, I love them all equally so much. But you know, growing up, like being like, I was really this nerdy. I was always a nerd. Like, obviously, I I I was so proud to be a nerd. And you know, back then, the geeks and nerds were like not the hip thing, the Urkels and the Screeches. But now, those are the hipsters, the 2019 hipsters. Those are the end people. So back then, I was the smart book worm kid I literally wanted to I was in front of class with my hand up like I think from first to seventh grade I made one B in my life and I hid in the closet when I made it for two hours because I was gonna get beat for making less than an A because I was only used to making A's and I was and it's because I was like I just got it like you know everybody's stopping I was up like the way I stay energized now I'm like as a kid I was the one like who's still going wow. and my mind wouldn't stop like I have to get it out like i we're going to get into it a little bit, but I do like I'm, I, I sleep like maybe eight to 15 hours a week most times. And it's because I'm a polyphasic sleeper and polyphasic sleeping is something like you got like, you know, people who had great minds like, you know, the Franklins and the probably Edgar Allan Poe's and stuff like that. And polyphasic sleeping is whenever you sleep, maybe like you take naps at intervals, maybe two hours this morning, one hour later, and that'll charge you up for a day or two. And then, you, then another day you get four hours in, another day you get three hours in, and then by the end of the week you've only slept like 12 hours, but you've also given yourself more days during the week. Just imagine this. How many hours does a normal people, normal person sleep during the, uh, a night? Eight. Eight. Eight, right? eight. Now think about eight times seven. 56, right? Right. And then take, think about that. Think about that in a whole month. You right. got over 200 hours of sleep. And think about that in a year. How many days have you slept in a, a year? A lot. You've only lived, like you've only been up for like literally less, maybe two less than two thirds of a year. Think of how many how many days you've given away. Polyphasic sleeping is is focal on the fact that there's only one part of sleep that is actually 
vital to you, and that is REM, Rapid Eye Movement. And the body only needs about, it only takes about from 30-something minutes to an hour or something long of Rapid Eye Movement. And that's when your body really recharges. So the rest of it is you just being lazy and enjoying sleep. So what is that? You're saying that this is a this it's is actual a thing. learned if you behavior? Google it. If you Google it, you can train yourself to do it. If you Google it, and you, you trained can, yourself to do it? No, no, I, I was born this way. I was literally born this way. I remember when I was little, my mom, and we were described to me as like, you know, by somebody who told us. I was described as, because it was like something always, nothing wrong with me. And not like I had a superpower, but it's like, what's wrong with him? Why doesn't he stop? It was kind of scary. Like, you know, there's ADD and then there's ADHD. And I'm like, As a parent, you're like, what's wrong with my child? Why doesn't he stop? And the best description she got from me is like not even a disease. It's like a name. It's like. The best description is I'm like a battery that's open on one end and charging on the other. So as I'm moving, I'm recollecting the energy no matter what. And you can ask anybody who knows me. It doesn't matter if it's the Cosmoprop team, my Goonies, I'm up. I'm up. I'm going. I can go to a hair show and stay up two, three days and then take a 30-minute nap or two hours. and get. I can go to sleep at 5 and get up at 6 something still and be good to go. Y'all see me at the hair show. I'm dancing down the aisles every day. I'm hyped and I'm happy the whole time. It's like I can't stop. And we just recorded you. And, 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 it's, and it's only because, like, my mind, I have so much to get out, and I know I don't have enough time to do it. A hundred years is not enough time to do it. I got so much to get out. It's in my head, and it has to come out. And, like, that's, the, again, the thoughts. My head is full. You can say something I haven't thought about. It, it, can't, it, it won't leave me alone. It's like a movie. It's a cut scene when you see my mind <laughs> flashing through a million things. It won't stop. It has to come out. I have to bring it out of my mind. And that is. is that's a gift. It, yeah. Man, that's a true gift, brother. So, okay. Like, well, I guess Corey was getting in earlier, too. I mean, how... But how does it... You know, from growing up where you where you grew up and, you know, you, you taught yourself how to, to, you know, cut hair, but how does that evolve? You know, how, how does that evolve to Keon today? I took everything and I used it. I took everything and used that. You know the whole saying: "What when life gives you lemons?" And it, that, that answer, there's never been an answer to that. You know, they say you make lemonade, but of course, like you know, it's what you make with it. It's what you make with it, right here. When life gives you lemons, like I literally took everything I did and I had like the thing is, there has to be a reason why you're getting it. There has to be a reason why this is happening. Like, like you know, he said he woke up this morning and he had not this morning, but the other day he had a flat tire, and it was raining and all that, and he still got that. He changed that flat just to get to this hair show. Like, it has to be a reason why that even happened to him. And like you said, you could have had, he could have had an accident on the way here if he hadn't had a flat. Or someone else could have had an accident from him, you know, veering into the left lane without even knowing it. Anything that could have happened, it's like, why did it all happen that way? And the, the things I took from it is, it, I, it happened to me to show people that it can, it, 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 you don't have to let it stop you. You don't have to let it turn you into a different person or a person you're not meant to be. You're meant to be something you need to become that. And you won't if you give in to that. And, it's, it's, and I took all of that, and, it's, and I, again, it goes to, like, if you go to my Facebook page, the first thing you'll read about me is it's, um, my saying. It says, the most important day of your life is the day you choose how you're going to view this world, Albert Einstein. That's the saying that's been on there for years. And that's, that's so important because, like I was telling him, it's all how we perceive things. You know, you can say there was a deer crossing the road, or was there a deer crossing the forest? Was there a road crossing the forest? Like, that road wasn't naturally there. Somebody put that road there. So was the deer crossing the road? No, somebody put a road in the forest. The deer would have been walking across the forest anyway. And I took that, and, it's, and people would take that differently, of course. Somebody would take it and say it doesn't make any sense. But I take it as I perceived everything that happened, and I, and I guess the best answer for how did I become this is I accepted the things I cannot change. 
in just like in life. There are going to be people like the guy at the bar. Sometimes you're going to have to accept the apology from people you'll never get. Period. There are so many people hung up on some hating the ex, hating family, harboring things, living with pain. If you take pain into the world, you're going to hurt somebody else. If you take trust issues, you're going. To, if you take trust issues, you're going to give someone else trust issues. You got to learn to let something. You maybe this guy was a douchebag to you growing up, bullied you, whatever, and maybe he'll never apologize to you, except the apology you'll never get. Mm. And go on. There are so many people who will go to a grave with a grudge. Can you imagine living like that? Man, can you imagine that? And, and again, people like to say stuff like, you know, she did this to me. She broke my heart. You let them. Nobody will ever do something to you that you won't let them or they don't feel like they can do. Like, you know, there are guys who said something to a girl that's really disrespectful. But we know as men and we're all men at this table. We look at certain women and you think and you see their actions and think I can say this to her, but I can't say this to her. Mm. And you know that. Right. We right. Are, and it's a, people might not admit it, but it's the truth. You know what you can say to certain people. You know what you can get by with, like me, Burtis and Lean. We always make like racial jokes, but we laugh with each other, not at each other. And it's right. never offensive. Like Dave Chappelle's show, I loved his show because Dave Chappelle made everybody address it. He addressed the elephant in the room and made everybody laugh at it. So if you're at a Dave Chappelle show and get mad at a comedy stand-up, you came to the show for the wrong reason anyway. Right. I accepted the things that I could not change, and that was the best thing to do in life. Uh, one of my life things that I live by is shorten up your memory. Just, mm. And just think about that. So many people are never going to succeed because they're stuck on failures. Like this business didn't work. That business didn't work. Okay, let it go. You didn't do the best hairstyle. It didn't come out good. Let that go. Do a better one the next go round. You didn't win this barber battle. Come back happy. Dude, I'm going to get you the next one. Come back more hyped and do the cut better next time. Like shorten your memory up. So many people are like, you know what? I don't want love. Dang that. My, my last one did me bad. But she's one person. He's one person. There are 7.6 billion people on this planet. Give somebody <laughs> else a chance. They're not going to be that same person. Hey, Shorten up your memory And like I have certain sayings I live by Like I always I always have a saying To keep me humble But to keep me motivated Every morning I wake up I put this on my whole life I think this um, I put it on my life I wake up and think this Every day I think to keep me humble Because I'm out here At the hair show You know I work for Cosmo Prof I'm their barber There are hundreds of barbers At these hair shows But I'm hanging on a banner I'm in a book And a lot of them Are probably like Why is he in a book I'm just as good as him Yeah but to keep me humble, I'm thinking no matter how good I do what I do, no matter how good I can do what I can do, there's somebody in this world who can do it better. That is to keep you humble. But to not let it defeat you and keep you in a stuck place is, I think, if they can do it, so can I. So if you get up to go into the barbershop at 9 a.m. going at 8.30, Kobe Bryant did it as a basketball player. Kobe Bryant and asked the other players that had they had interviews about it. They would say when you had met Kobe, what it was like. He's like, you know what? I had a game against the Lakers. I went to the gym. We showed up. We had to, the game started at eight. We got there at four. So we would go in the locker room and shoot shoot around for like maybe forty five minutes an hour, and then go hit the shower, ice, cool down, and, get, and wait a couple hours for the game and get ready and warm up. But they said they would go into the gym and Kobe would be in there shooting at like four thirty, and then they go and shower and they ice down and they come back out at like six o'clock and Kobe's still shooting. And like he didn't leave, and, then, and at the end of the game, after the game was over, he would like you know they would win or whatever, and they were like they were asking him like, man, how did why, why were you in that so long? He was like, I wanted you to know that I'm willing to outwork you. Mm. And that's his teammates. This is you know, Kobe. No, this was like an opposing team or anybody. Right. Like I'm willing to let anybody know I'm willing to outwork you. I'm, I'm, I got to let you know that. So when you see me at these hair shows, you see me everywhere. I'm pretty sure y'all see me everywhere. I'm. I'm at the you like how the hell is he even here? I thought he was just downstairs. <laughs> I'm here. I'm like this. I'm not missing a step. Actually, you know what? Yesterday we had an, the opposite of that. We're like, yeah. where the hell Keon go? Right? And, <laughs> I, and, 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 because, and it's because I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I know, like I said, to me, and I'm not trying to go off on us, that whole aspect of discussing time, theory, and religion and stuff, but I don't believe, I believe time isn't real. I just believe, just like when they say people 
don't like, people hate what they fear. They, people fear what they don't understand and they hate what they fear. I feel like we don't have control, but it makes us feel better to feel like we have an explanation for everything. Like, you know, what's the famous animal guy that got killed by the stingray? Uh, Steve, Steve Irwin. Irwin. I, yeah. I always get him confused with Corwin, but he got killed by a stingray that he was literally describing in the video as not dangerous. Right. And it made him feel in control to say this stingray is not dangerous, but a lot of people in reality don't know that he was actually stung hundreds of times in under a minute by that stingray, by the non-dangerous creature that he described as non-dangerous. It made him feel safe in that environment. Tom, it makes us feel good to say Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but that ain't real. It makes us feel good to say it's three o'clock. Time isn't real. We just figured that out a while ago. When we're having a good time, time flies. When you don't want to be somewhere, time is moving slow. It's not real. It's what you make it. Dude, I feel like I'm, I'm sitting in the uh, Church of Keon, man. I mean, but like when people, a lot of people don't realize it, but like this is when you just slow down and think, because again, the power of thought, it's amazing how valuable this is. That's why I'm with Cosm Prof. That's why I'm here sitting at this table. That's why I've literally almost been in everybody's story who's been on this podcast. Time isn't real and I waste none of it. Because it's not guaranteed and we don't have, you know, there's no, there's no literally date on a calendar for any of us to say this is your last day. So to be on this podcast, to be on that barber battle stage, to take a chance at losing at a barber battle, man, that was awesome. That was an awesome <laughs> battle. Dude, you're sick with it. You're sick with it. But I'm getting you next time. That's my mentality versus, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I could say, why, why did Michael Jordan, there was somebody who said, why did Michael Jordan ball hog versus me walking up to Michael Jordan and saying, how do you shoot like that? That's the difference between becoming better. Right. Pride. I don't have any of that. Look, dang them. How did you shoot like that, dude? You just like scored 60 points. I made one. <laughs> and that, the one I made was the, the piece of paper I bought up and put the fucking trash can. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I so, so, so you're cutting your buddies. How did you get into a salon or how did you get, get owning a barbershop? I mean, did you? All right, so yeah. Um, so, um, fast forward from 2002 three when i first did my first cut so i moved back from north carolina to south carolina in 2004 i came back and you know, i was i would cut my cousin's hair here i would cut these people uh, this guy's hair that guy's hair whoever i would just cut family and friends and then from 04 i would say to 06 it started to get to where i like i never wanted to be a barber i just i did it i didn't have any instruction i didn't get on youtube i mean heck was there even like youtube to get on with in-depth instructions in 2002 no right so I was um, just doing it, trial and error. I was like, you know, I did this and with the clipper and it didn't work. And then I tried to design with the clipper and the lines were too big and bulky, so I need a trimmer now. So now I'm gonna get a trimmer instead of trying to line them up with the clipper and pushing the hairline back a little bit. Like, you know, there's no <laughs> shortcut for people in this industry who are like, how did you do that? You gotta mess up. You got a, you got a kid on the training wheels on a bike. You can't, if he keeps training wheels on and rides until he's grown, he'll never learn how to ride a bike. You gotta let him fall. Take him off. He has to fall right. to learn how not to fall. So it was trial and error for me. And then um, 2006, I wanted to say, I started drawing these little pictures. I would draw a circle and then I would make a face out of it. And I have pictures I'll probably share with you guys later, um, like via social media or something. But I would draw a face and I would just draw like the little hairline and all that. And I would draw like a design in my head on it. Like in the first one I drew, I remember like clear as day. It was three lines. It started right here on the left side. It was three lines up and it was two lines down. And I had a cousin of mine, and I was like, let me try that. So I took, and I looked at it, and I just visually did it, and I was like, all right, that worked. It was pretty cool. All right, let me go. And I'm, I'm like the guy who did not waste any time going bigger. So I was like, all right, let me try uh, a star. So I made lines that crossed and intersected, and that time it wasn't what I do now. It was just basic as F. And then I was like, all right, let me try a diamond. And then I was like, all right, let me try a Batman. <laughs> so I went from little stick figure things to trying like big ones, and it started working. And it's because... 
like I said, thoughts in your head. All I do is I replicate what I see. Like when I drew on the aprons a while ago, I look at it and I do a piece at a time because that's how life works. You can't make something. You can't. Nobody made this building with a snap of their finger. You don't take a, a dump truck and put all the components of a house, electric wires, a light switch, a stove, a toilet, and put on a dump trucks and just dump them off a cliff and the house comes together. You got to build it piece by piece. So I'll take my time and I'll piece by piece and I'll make it together. And um, so I just started cutting hair and I started doing designs and it started getting really dramatic. But I was doing it on back porches. I was doing it anywhere, bathroom, outside, wherever I can do that. So 2000, I want to say it went on. I was cutting hair in my kitchen in a small little trailer that was like the size of a sardine can. And it was in my kitchen and I was cutting a lot of friends hair. And this is fast forward to 2011. So um, I was in my trailer cutting hair in the kitchen. And then I, um, I moved out of that because I worked hard enough to get out of a trailer into a house. And um, this was uh, actually I, I'm lying. I, I just shortcutted a piece of the story. I lost that trailer and I got enough money back to get into a house by getting a job <laughs> and still cutting hair third shift. So um, I was cutting hair in the kitchen. Then I got a house. And this is where the story comes into play about me getting into a barbershop. So. I, I maneuver how to cut hair in the bathroom. I made my own bathroom space when I had to cut hair on the porch. I, I, whatever I had to do, MacGyvered it. And then I got into my house and I was like, you know what? My kitchen at the trailer, I was just cutting hair and it didn't have any like set up. People are sitting in my living room and all that stuff. And I want to give them like a real environment to sit in and get their hair cut in. So when I moved to the house, I painted the wall and I'll, this, I'll share that with y'all too on Facebook. I painted, I took my den, like I had my kitchen, little den, then living room. I took my den and cleared it out. And I painted all the walls solid red, like blood red. And it, and I took an, uh, uh, an incredible stylist next door to me named Alicia. Uh, I love her to death in Greenville, South Carolina. If you listen to Alicia, you're amazing. And I always remember what you did for me. She gave me my very first barber chair, but before I was using a little stool chair from like Goodwill. Mm -hmm. And immediately, and I would take all my clippers and stuff and set them up on my table, like my dining table. And I had like the little, you know, the things you put into it like kitchen drawers so stuff doesn't slide around right, like right. The, to give them grip I stretched them across the whole table and that gave my cripples and stuff grip and then people started calling it the red room so if you look at some of my old pictures I have posters of all my work on the barbershop by having my like shed at home now but it's posters of like each poster has a grid of nine grid like nine blocks of nine like nine haircuts each so you know like you make a photo grid three, three pictures three pictures three pictures mm -hmm. and then I would take and make a photo grid of nine in one and then I put nine big grids together to make a big size poster and I go to Walmart and print out the posters and I put Keon cold cuts uh, and then all that and I made four or five different posters over my time of years from like 2011 to 2000 and I want to say 16, 17 and um, that was in my red room and all the pictures in the background were red and then I didn't even name it that everybody would get start tagging my house and be like man just left the red room my backyard had cards lined up in my backyard lined up from getting haircuts and it came to the point where you know people and Alicia was telling me like she was like you know and my friend uh, also Alicia I have two friends and they were like you know you might want to you know start thinking about a barbershop because if somebody decides to hate on you or get mad because you're kind of diverting people from a barbershop which I understand now being a professional like you know you're diverting people from getting their money now mind you I started barber school like the year before this I, I skipped that part but um, <laughs> 2010 I started barber school but um, I was cutting hair in the red room and all that stuff. And then I, would, I was still working the job. And this is going to be a, this is a pivotal point in this conversation because I'm going to address that later on with a point of about what you get out of this, what you put into it. I was working. I was cutting hair. I was working for a construction engineering company. We went out of town all week and we came back on the weekends only. So when I got back home, I would immediately cut hair all weekend. And you could get a haircut at any time. Like you could call me at 3 a.m. and get a haircut because I'm up anyway. 
and I would cut your hair at 3 a.m. Like, I just got off work at 12 o'clock. I want to go to the bar. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make the barbershop. Come to Keon. I will literally cut you. I have literally cut hair. I have literally been in the barbershop before for 23 hours straight. 23 hours straight. Whoa. I have went in and, I mean, this is random. Subject, but I went in at like 7 in the morning, and I left 5 the next morning. And I came back at 7 the next morning. But this is all in the era of me getting, building up to where I'm at now, from Constant Profit and all of that. I, 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 my, so I went from the Red Room, and then, you know, I was working jobs. And then I got, so 2013, in 2013, I met this beautiful, incredible woman that, I, I would then date for the next four years and I you know I give her that kind of credit now because me and her aren't enemies we're still friends even though we're not together we split up with like a year and a half ago and it's, it's just what it was but she was the one who was like you know what because I was getting offers to go to all kinds of barbershops but the thing was I started school and then they mm-hmm. they crapped me on my hours whatever the case they like it was legitimately the school it was like great school it could have been it's one of those things it could have been a great school because I don't want to down talk people but it was just ran really janky and they lost like all of my hours. Oh. So I had to start over. Yeah, it was crazy. So they, uh, all the hours that I had logged, they never were logged. They were basically somewhere in a box and paper and it never got sent to the state board. Wow. Like over 500 hours. Mm. I had to start back from scratch again. That, would, that. that could uh, defeat a lot of people. Oh yeah, I mean, it could, like I said again, it could, but I never stopped, man. It was always glorious. I love, man, like I, I loved, man, I love this. Mm. I have seen like the mountaintop that Martin talked about, he had to climb the mountain <laughs> to get there. I've seen it. So in the house, you know, she was like, you know what, you should, you know, she encouraged me. And like, you know, like, oh, man, we don't realize how much we do for women, but we do a lot. Like men are, you know, the rib. If you believe in the Bible, you know, she's the rib or whatever. But women will push us to a thing we didn't know. Like you might be the kind of guy who's a slacker in life and you try to flirt with women on your level. But then one day you see a woman who's like way above your level. And you're like, man, I can't approach her like this. I don't have a car, a house, a good credit score, anything. <laughs> so without, without knowing it, you will inadvertently, you will like, without knowing it, start working on yourself to be able to approach her. Like, you know, you'll get a better job. You'll, you'll get a better job. You'll start working harder. You'll try to fix your credit score. You try to be like that so that way you can actually be on that level to get her. And without realizing it, she made you make yourself better. So she encouraged me and, you know, to go into a barbershop. So then I finally accepted the offer to go into a barbershop to a guy that reached out. And um, I went in there. And what I, what I went into was this. There's a million of us. There's millions of podcasts in the world now, right? There's millions of podcasts out there. There are millions of barbers. What is going to make me different? Because everybody can do it. What made Michael Jordan different? There's been millions of basketball players now. What made Michael Jordan who was Michael Jordan? And that's what I thought. That was my thought. What's going to make me me? And you know what's going to make me me? The things that I am. Utilize everything to your advantage, your strengths. I don't sleep. I don't stop. Don't stop then. But don't stop with clippers in hand. And then also, like I said, I was working you know, jobs and stuff while I was still cutting hair. And I realized, like I tell people now in my classes, you only get what you, you only get in, but you, you only get out what you put into it. And I was realizing, I can't say barbering doesn't give you back a lot of stuff if I'm only doing barbering on the weekends and at night. I need to do it every single day all the time. So, and that goes into what Steve Harvey said about taking the leap, the jump, the jumping off. You know, you, what if I fall? What if I fly? So I thought like, you know what? I, I lost everything. I had lost my trailer and all that stuff. And I had to start back and I got my house. So, you know, I went to school. They messed my hours up. I had to start all over. I was working a job. And then it got to the point where I was going to school again. But I wasn't working because I was full-time. Other people were part-time. You know, it takes longer. But I was full-time. So what I was doing, I was working. I would show up at the school before anybody got there at 7 a.m. And it opens at 8, 9. And then I wouldn't leave until 8 at night because I was a student that had people out in order to get haircut in school. 
and wow. I wasn't getting any money from it. So you got to mm-hmm. think at this time, people who go to school live with a parent or a wife, husband, they have family, but they have something to fall back on. I had a house, I had a kid, child support and all of that stuff. And I was going to school and not getting any money. So what I would do is when I got out of school, I would cut hair until the next morning and then go right back to school. Oh my God. And, and this is not like me talking. You can go to my Facebook and just browse back years. You will see me log and people tagging me at 4 a.m. Like this dude is still going. You'll see pictures of people posting on my timeline like it's 4 a.m. and the barbershop lights are still going on where I worked at because I was still going. And that right there let people like know like who is this guy in my city? Like who is this dude that won't stop? Like we're going home and he's still going. That makes you feel some kind of way. And that goes like, you know, there's no such thing as haters. I'll, I'll address that right now. People are say, you know, I got haters or why people hating on me. Like, you, you, you don't make haters. You become a mirror. When you become successful, when you work hard, you become a mirror. And it lets everybody around you see what they aren't. It's like, why is he, try, why is he working so hard? Like, no, the commercial, he went to Jared. All the other guys are mad in the commercial because he, like, and that's like life, though. Like, if I go home, like, you know, when you go to work and you have people, like, let's not to be racial at all, but, you know, like, you might have some people, you know, who are immigrants, right? And then, like, Americans who you can tell, like, you might meet somebody and realize they came here from El Salvador. They came here. But while you go on lunch break, they will literally sit on the line. I worked at Chicken Farm, and I used to work with an incredible group of guys with El Salvadorians and stuff and all that. And when we, we would go to break, like, you know, us, quote, unquote, people who were born in America, they would bring their own lunches, and they would sit there on the line and wait until the line started back up. That way they wouldn't be late coming back. But they were like, yo, it's a break, take a break. They're like, you don't understand. And I've been to Mexico. I've talked to people who worked the whole week and made $25 for after a week's worth of hard, real labor. And here we're complaining about making $700 on our paycheck. So when they get here and get the opportunity, like, yo, you're gonna tell me you're gonna pay me $700 to do next to nothing? I'm gonna do <laughs> 10,000 times nothing. Right. So I didn't stop. And I was like, you know what? They're gonna notice that, you can't miss that. And it goes into something that, like, I think I heard Rebecca Taylor say at one point, and Ash Fortis even, like, I don't want to be famous. I don't know who said this first time, but this is what I, another thing I live by. I don't want to be famous. I don't care for that. A, a lot of celebrities have shitty and terrible lives. I want to work so hard I can't be ignored. And that's what I did. I didn't stop. I didn't stop at all. I did not stop, I mean, for years. I just cut hair, and you can get a haircut at any time. I had a line out of the door. When you come into the barbershop, I would work with some incredible people, by the way, but when you came in the barbershop, somebody like, how many you got? And then literally everybody would point to the front like that the whole area was waiting on me and and it became like I was like you know what I gotta and that's what came to the point like you know I have to get my own space from that barbershop after working there because I've only been in one barbershop then I went to my own and I went there uh, I'm skipping a lot but I guess we're gonna come back to that if y'all ever ask I just don't want to make this interview too long because if y'all messing with me we'll be here all night Right. <laughs> the, story, the story does not stop. I'm, I've just started writing my. Um, I've started writing my book already. It's called The Paramount, and it's going to be a big one. But um, well, we're 50 minutes in. So. Right? Are we? Are we really? Yeah. See what I'm saying, Tom? Does it feel like it? Nah, it feels like it's been five minutes. Like I can't make these things up. Right. So um, it feels like five minutes. It but does. When when you getting like, but when you getting food, like you know, that's like I seen a meme on Facebook that said, "Don't be a snack, be soul food." Because you know people like, yeah, I'm looking like a whole snack. Right. Like, don't be a snack, be soul food, right? Like, when you're getting fed some stuff that you know is not like just, you know, I'm not, I didn't make this up to try to impress you all. This is just what I think. And yeah. when you're getting stuff like that, that's of substance, you don't even care about time anymore. It doesn't feel like it's been 50 minutes at all. Dude, we're so, we're like so drawn into right? your story. So, I mean, so like I got my own shop and all that stuff. But um, what it is, is like, like Cosm Prof right now, how did I get to where I'm at? I, one thing when people ask me at these shows, a question I get asked all the time is, how do you become an educator? Because everybody wants to be an educator. I'm like, no, you, you know, do you really want to be one, though? 
like the thing is the NBA or music, like whether it's rock, rap, basketball, football, whatever, they wouldn't draft somebody who just went to the park and did a good slam dunk. Right? Right. So what? You did a good dunk. Did you play in high school? Did you play in middle school? Did you do this? We need a track record to get you on this team. We need to see that you want it. Commitment. That's like a credit score. You're not going to get a house because you just paid off a bill just now. We need to see that you be consistent with this. Because we don't want to put somebody on our basketball team. We didn't say next year, I don't want to play ball anymore. We gave you a three-year contract. You know, we need to see somebody who wants it. So I, I just put in the work. So when people are like, do you want to be educated? I really want to be an educator. I'm like, but do you really? I don't want to be a jerk because I'm not a jerk. I, want, I don't want to discourage him either. You can definitely be that. But do you really want it? Okay. Now, there's a saying that goes, the, you know, the, the secret on Netflix. And that's the uh, speaking into existence. All that. The manifested. Think it manifested. Whenever you hear the saying, um, speak it. If you say, if, you know, speak into existence, you already have it. Speaking into existence, you already have it. And people are like, that's not true. I'm like, yes, but y'all misunderstanding. Somebody's like, so what if, if I just say, if I just say I want a Ferrari, I have a Ferrari. That's not true. I'm like, yeah, but see, this is where you're messing up at. You think speaking is talking. That's not what speaking is. Actions are speaking. I don't listen to people's words. I listen to the actions. I don't listen to your words at all. You can talk to me until you're blue in the face. I listen to your actions. You can say whatever, but your actions will say different and otherwise. So your actions are what gets you what you want in life, right? right. Your actions are. So, not, so speaking into existence is actions. And my actions showed Cosmoprof that I really wanted it. So when people are like, I want to be an educator, I'm like, how long have you been educating and they're like, how do I become an educator? I'm like, be an educator. They're like, but how? I'm like, see, that's the thing. Be one. I was uploading haircuts on MySpace in 2007 <laughs> before anybody wanted to pay me to do it. Before anybody cared how I did that design, I would tell them anyway. If only one person saw it and thumbed it up or wanted to comment, I'm going to give it to y'all because it's in me and I got to get it out. So my track record goes back to 2006, seven with it putting it out there and I'm like hey I get on Facebook I'll be like this is how I did this fade I know nobody cares but this is how I did this fade this is how I did this fade nobody cares but this is how I did it I put four corners up one two three four right and that led into people starting to be like you know what that was pretty cool so in my city at this time people were not using social media to go live and do a haircut people were not like there are a lot of barbers in my city that are doing incredible things because we we have an incredible diverse and talented you know culture there. But people were not putting themselves out there at that level at that time. Like Gautang, he kind of pioneered social media for hair. Yeah, right. You know, like at that time where I was at, nobody, no barbers were going live. Barbers didn't have a logo. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, they, and not, not pole, a lot, not a lot pole. of them. Like you say, my that, when you see the pit, that's me. And I always tell people like always, 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 always do something that means something to you. Otherwise, you will regret it. Right? You will regret it dramatically because if you don't want to do it then you're going to lose the desire for it the urge people who get with a girlfriend or a guy because he's hot or she's got a nice body bodies change yeah you know and you're going to burn out did you fall in love with their heart or with what's above their heart that has two nipples on it you know what i mean <laughs> like honestly right so um i always do something i wanted to do and like i i love her cutting hair so i was like literally putting stuff on myspace facebook and when i got two likes when i had 230 100 friends now I'm you know I got 500 friends on 5,000 friends and I'm maxed out I have thousands of followers I can't add any more people I can't follow any more people on Instagram because I've followed the max amount that Instagram will allow you and a lot of people don't know that and I want to clear I'm glad I just said that so I'm completely off subject but it's really quick a lot of people out there you know they'll be like hey man I follow you don't follow me back I'm like Instagram won't let me they're like that's not real you know people got millions of followers like you can get as many followers as you want but Instagram if you google it will only let you follow a max of 7,500 people 
Wow. And I want to follow everybody that follows me back. I want to follow everybody back that follows me, especially in our industry, so to speak. Somebody who's doing something, I want to see them because I want to take away from them, but they take away from me something, hopefully. And it maxed me out at 75,000 because of the algorithm, 7,500 because of the algorithm. So there's a lot of people out who think I don't follow them back because I don't want to. Instagram will not let me. It will boot me when I try to follow you. It'll kick me off. So, but um, like, again, I just love what I did and I, I shared it when nobody wanted to hear it. And that's why I feel like music was so much greater. Well, you know, we talked to these kids about this generation. Our generation was better. But here's actual facts to why our generation was better. Like, <laughs> people wanted to do it, right? Like Motley Crue, Aerosmith, Boys to Men. It didn't matter who right. they were. They sang on street corners when there was nobody watching them. As long as, like, if you're a bird, they had a song, so they sang it. A bird has a song, so it sings in a tree. And nobody's listening. But these guys would stand on the, stand on the corner and sing when only two people listened because they wanted to sing. And somebody gave them a record deal because they wanted to do it. And it made them happy. It brought them joy, right? So I didn't try to be an educator because somebody would pay me. I just did it anyway. It was by nature. I put haircuts on MySpace. I put them on Facebook. I put them anywhere I could put them at. And I would put one, two, three, four. This is how I did it. This is going back over 10 years now. Listen and to that bird sing. Like, right? 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 And it's beautiful, right? But they did it because they wanted to. So the music felt, you felt the music because you felt what they felt when they made it. Like, you know, when, when there was a time when Motley Crue went into the studio and his daughter had passed away and he was very, very hurt. And then you heard it in the song, you know, mm. right? You felt that's it in Hello, Goodbye, right? You felt yeah. it, but that's why you felt it because they put it, in, they, they didn't block it. They didn't try to limit it. They didn't try to change it. They put in real emotion and they wanted to be there and do it. So that's why it was good. I want to cut hair. I want to teach people, even if they don't want to learn from me, they don't have to. I'm not trying to force them. But if you do, here it is for you. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So I will stop wasting my time trying to lead people out to the water. I just put water outside my door now, and you can get it if you want. You know, I used to teach, and I would think I had a class of 10 people. And I would, and it goes back to perception. I would think, how can I have 10 people, eight are joking off, not taking it serious, two of them are very in-depth. And I would think, how can I get these other eight people to actually pay attention to learn? And I realized, except an apology you'll never get, something like that. That's not, my, that's not what I meant. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I need to take what I can change and that's those two who are paying attention and they'll go out there and teach two more and they'll go teach two more and they'll teach two more and that's eight there you go there you go right Right? yeah and that's how it works that's literally how it works you make it that way you think it so that's how I got here I'm Cosmoprof literally like people ask me how'd you get with Cosmoprof I did not they stalked me and if you're listening, that's a pretty funny story because Ashley can vouch for Ashley Bevins, which is one of my bosses. And I actually work for a lot of ladies, which is so cool to me to see like powerful women who are leading men and it, it's working. They're successful. They make this group what it is. They're so incredible. Megan Jens, Ashley Bevins, the whole crew over there from Bethany on up to the top of the ladder. They make us what we are, even though we get out here and do the man hours. They're behind the desk, putting the work in, making sure we own these stages and stuff. So we really appreciate you guys and gals. But, um, dude, man, you are so, so, so much deeper. I know. Than I even anticipated. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, this is what dude, it means. Like, I, I you literally. Are deep, man. Like, I so. And I even forgot what I was talking about when I said it. But um, so Cosmoprof, they said, how'd you get with Cosmoprof? I got a text one day. And it was weird because, you know, I, I was, I got a, we in the hair group called the Goonies, which is incredible. Shout out my Goonies. We're going to cover that. Goonie Goons. Goonie Goons. Yeah, I want to hear about that too. Hey, you guys. <laughs> so um, we, uh, I was, uh, Philip was on the, you know, Cosmoprof artistic team, Jake, Larissa, you know, the original people who own it and stuff like that. And then one day, you know, I was on Instagram and Cosmoprof liked the picture. And I was like, oh shit, they see me. Like, you know, like I say with Presley Poe, like, and we'll cover that, but we'll get to that another time. But uh, um, they see me. 
And I'm like, I'm on their radar. Somehow they saw me. Uh-oh, they lied. And it then it went from that to the next day, they liked it again, but they shared something. I was like, oh, they oh, shared me. Oh, snap. Right? It's real. And then the next day, they shared me again. I was like, wait, that's two in a row. Like, you don't play the Powerball 10 times and hit it five. That's two times they shared me. And then I'm like, okay, they shared me again. I was like, okay, something's going on. Something's going on. And then literally, Ashley, this is 2017. Ashley texts me. And this is like when we talk about how life works with the flat tire and the rain and stuff, right? Um, Ashley Bevins texted me and was like, hey, I'm Ashley. You know, I'm from Cosmoprof. Uh, we've been stalking you. I hope you don't mind. I got your number from somebody. Hope you don't mind. Got your number from a friend. Hope you don't mind. And I'm like, no. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Now. Yeah, like, no, no, I don't <laughs> mind. And this is, and it goes back to me saying this. So, you know, they you know, talked to me like, you know, we want to think we would be, we, we think you might be a great fit for the team and stuff. We want to try you out kind of like an interview. So your interview would be for me to take over their Instagram live for me, Instagram takeover for a day and just walk people through how I go through a day with haircuts and all that good stuff. And it just, the very first, by the time I did my very first cut service of the morning, it was already done. I got a text message and was like, your yeah, education is perfect for us. I didn't even get to go past an hour and a half. I, I made my first cut so in-depth on, on Instagram that people were like, I know how to do that now, immediately. So they goes to me saying this when I'm in classes. People are like, how do I become an educator? How do I get with these brands and all that stuff? Two ways. Number one, three ways, three things. Number one, do, only do things because you want to do it and not because you see what it, you see the glitz glam because these hair shows look good to be on flyer and be Philip Wolf and have 400,000 followers and all that stuff. But it's work. It's not just 400,000 followers to be on a flyer. It's running across hair shows that are like, feel like you've been running for miles in a day, running from this stage to prep, from prep back to this stage. Then you got to do the podcast. I got to get there. Oh, my model, something went wrong. Let me go get them. They didn't show up. They're late. They're in traffic. This is really hectic behind the scenes, and we all know that. So I do it because I want to do it. And then number two, um, you don't chase things in life. And that's crazy, right? Because people are like, if you want something, go chase it. No. The same way I said I don't want to be famous, I want to work so hard I can't be ignored. Make the things in life that you chase, want to chase, chase you. Pursue you. So, like I said, by working so hard, I can't be ignored. Why wouldn't you go for that guy? Look at his track record. Look at him. And I did stuff that stood out. Like, I literally would be at hair shows. And, I, and that's why I tell those guys at the barber battle earlier. Like, listen, you want it? They'll be telling me on Instagram, like, hey, look at my cuts. I'm really good. I'm a great barber. Yeah. But um, are you at the shows? Are you just sitting behind a computer screen hashtagging? Go put yourselves in their faces. How bad do you really want it? If you're telling them, I want to work for Babeless, I want to work for Wall, I want to work for Pavana, but you're at home, are you coming to the shows? Are you going to the shows even when you're not on the team? You don't really want it then. There's people all over the world that travel from Australia, from New York to come here today to be at this show and you sitting at home telling them you want it. They're here. Actions. Words. So I made them pursue me because I did stuff that stood out. At a hair show, I would walk, and I did anything to get to these hair shows. When I tell y'all that I, y'all don't want to understand what I went through, it's so pivotal because it's like Ruby. Ruby Devon, I love you. I know you hear me when you play it back. I love you so much. Thank you for everything you've done for me. She's like the female version of me. Ruby doesn't stop. She's high energy. She's incredible, all that in between. So 2000 and, um, 2000 and remember I said I got five siblings. 2014, my, it was like one of the darkest times of my life because my brother's birthday, the one that passed, that got killed, the one that he died, um, his birthday is December 28th. So he was murdered two days before his birthday, and it was covered up, and it's crazy, but we, you know, we did the lawsuit in one and all that good stuff. But so my cousin, my closest cousin, he died. He had a heart attack at 28. He had a, had a heart attack, right? This is 2014. Uh, not at 28. He was 20, 
Dwight would have been. He would have been like 26 or so. Um, 20, no, he was 28. He was 28. And he had a heart attack. Died at 28 on December 25th. Like, no, was it Christmas he died? His birthday is December 14th. So he died, like, Christmas, right? No, he, died, he didn't die Christmas. He died that following Sunday on the 28th he died. So that would have been my brother's birthday, right? So he died on December 28th. He had a heart attack, died. So I'm, I, I don't, like I said, I, nothing stops me, it breaks me. But when I got that phone call, I just, like, the phone dropped. I just screamed in place. And my girlfriend, she was just there holding me or whatever. But I, I'm like, immediately, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go by the bank. I called my aunt. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to help you with the funeral however I can. So I go in the bank to get it. And I was at the bank, and I have funny feelings. Vibes are strong, y'all. And y'all want to value. I can give you verification of this. If you look back on my Facebook years ago to 2015, uh, right before Thanksgiving, I believe vibes are real, and they're very real. So I was at the bank getting money after I just heard my cousin was dead. He died, right? And I, I said, I'm going out the next morning. I was at the bank, the 20, you know, the 28th, the 29th. I was at the bank, 29th. I'm at the bank in line and um, I was like, something's wrong. I just said that something's wrong. And I got a, I was like, you know, I was like, dang, my bro, I, I just thought of my little brother. Got a phone call in the bank line and it was my brother was in jail at the time. He was like, you know, one of the troubled youth. He went to jail for like nothing bad. Just, you know, he didn't play his probation. He got locked up, you know, violating whatever. He was just like really misled and got it. And he made bad decisions. So he had to face the consequences of that stuff. He was supposed to be getting out of jail January. The following month, the warden called the chaplain. and He called. And he was like, hey, can I speak to Daphne, which is my mother's name, Daphne. And I was like, you know, she's not here. I'm her son. What's going on? And he was like, I can only tell her. I'm like, when you say something like that, I'm like, what's going on? And he was like. I said, like, you can tell me. I tell her. She's going to tell me anyway. I'm her, I'm her son. And he was like, well, your brother died. Your brother died. This was the morning after my cousin died. Whoa. And my brother's birthday was the day before. And I had just talked to him on the 26th. I mean, the 25th, gave him some money, you know, sent some money to prison. We talked, everything. And um, uh, this is crazy how the story was told, though. So, like, I'm in the bank line. I'm going to help my cousin who died. And now, oh, here you go. The, for the battery? Yeah, portable. Um, and my brother, so my brother died while I'm getting money for my cousin who died. Mm. And I remember I told you I was like the rock for my mother out of the five kids. And you got to think, this is her youngest son, my baby brother. So out of her five kids, her baby's now dead. She doesn't know this at the time, though. She doesn't know this. So I'm in the bank, and I got to hold it together in this bank line, not fall down, scream in the bank, cry. And I'm just in line, like, I'm about to withdraw money. And now I got to be the one to call my brother and my sister and my mom and her fiance and tell them that her, son, her baby is dead. And this is the story, but this is the messed up part about it. It's even more, more warped. So the chaplain said, because it was Christmas. So what happened is they killed my brother and they tried to cover it up. Um, he died on the 26th. They just called me on the 29th. They called me three days later. He had been dead for three days. Mm. And they called me on the Monday. So you got to think the 26th would have been like uh, Friday. So they called me on the Monday and was like, he's dead. I'm like, he's been dead for three days. Why didn't you tell us? They were like, well, it's Christmas break. So everybody was gone. So you mean to tell me that all the all the employees at the prison left and left the inmates alone for Christmas break, right? <laughs> right, right. And I, I, I literally laughed at them. I was like, you couldn't have made anything better than that up. <laughs> that is a terrible cover-up story. So I called my brother, my older brother, my oldest brother, and my other second oldest brother. He's in jail, too. But um, like I say, life, really rough. And um, I called him, and I called my mother's fiancé, and I was like, I told him what happened. So they had to get off work. And I'm like, you know, one of us is going to have to drive her car back home because we're going to have to go to work and tell her. And, of course, I'm the one that had to break the news because I'm like, it's me. If anybody's got to do it, it's got to be me. And um, we all had got off work, went to her job. 
And I was like, you know, I can't break down to this moment. And, then, and then even more though, the story is this. So when they told me my brother died three days ago, they said, you have to get the body today by, the, by a certain time or we're gonna burn it. Cremate him. They said what? we're gonna cremate him. Yeah, because like I said, they're trying to cover up what they did. So the whole, the, the, whole, the whole thing about it was the three days that they called me, waited to call me, was them trying to get their story together on what happened. Everybody get on one accord. The chaplain, the guards, the inmates, all on one accord. And um, they covered this, they covered up, they tried to make it like it was a certain, a, a certain way he died, but it was they negligent homicide. So I'm in line, I, I get my brother and my stepfather on the phone, and I'm like, we gotta go, we gotta go tell her. So we all go to her job, and we called her district manager, like so he could know to be at the store because she's gonna have to. She was the store manager, and he was like, he's gonna have to be there when she leaves because once she, well, obviously she's not she's not gonna be able to work after we tell her. Right. So he showed up to the store ahead of time, so she already got like a little bit of a, like, a, why is he here? They're really good friends. She's been there for years. Like you're not supposed to be here today at all, and he has to play it off while he's at her job. And so when we get there, at first she's happy because she sees her two sons and her fiance, and we're all in. But then she starts. She's like me context clues so she starts piecing together she's like hey smiling what's going on and all her other workers already know around her so it's, it's like this awkward steal in the restaurant because she worked at um, Church's Chicken and she's a store manager it's an awkward steal in the restaurant because it's like it's the moment before it happens and and then she immediately she always thought that it was the other brother that was in jail because he's like the my other brother's in jail he's like one that's like always in trouble and stuff so she thinks something happened to him and she sees in her mind, she's like, she sees it. She's like, hey, hey. And then she's like, wait a minute. She's like, what are y'all doing off work? And then she goes, hold up, wait a minute, no. And then she's like, you know how her mother does? She's like, no, uh-uh. She's looking at me and I'm walking towards her, slow. And she's like, no, get away from me. Don't talk to me. Get away, leave, move. And in that moment, I just lunged at her because I was like, all I said was my baby brother's name. I said BJ. And she thought it was the older brother that was in jail. And then when she realized it was her baby son of five children, she had dropped and I just dove and caught her and we stayed on the ground for like 45 minutes, her screaming, crying, and I'm holding her and it's like this crazy scene. And all I could think about is this, you can cry, but we gotta hurry up because they're gonna burn his body if we don't get it by a certain time. Mm. So I couldn't cry at this moment, I couldn't cry, I couldn't, all that, I had to react. So I had to call a friend who worked for a funeral home that I grew up with and I'm like, we need to get this body. It's four hours away. The body was four hours away. So like they, they're making it really where they're almost achieving their goal of like in a movie, a plot. A sinister plot, and they're like, it's going. They're not going to get this body off. They didn't expect us to get the body. My friend worked for a funeral home. They got in the car immediately and drove because they knew, they, they heard me. I was like, something's going on, and they went to get the body and stuff like that. They told me basically that they told us basically that he was playing ball, and they told us basically that he had overdosed. He had overdosed on K2, which is the you know synthetic marijuana that makes you hallucinate or whatever. And he was he was he was high and fell playing ball and busted his head open and stuff like that. And then he went to cardiac arrest and all that stuff. No. What happened was and they said that he went to cardiac arrest from it because he, you know, they didn't know and all right. that. But the real story, once one of the inmates got it, it's crazy how it happened because one of the inmates that was his cellmate, he had spent longer time in prison. He couldn't tell us what really happened because he was still in jail. It was people still in there who knew the real story, but they couldn't tell us. Because I'm in jail. What happened to me if I tell the truth? So one of them got out of jail. They got out of jail. And when they got out months later, they had he had his mother find the funeral home that my brother was buried at. I mean, was, the funeral service was done through. Mm -hmm. And got my mother's number from the, like, the archives. And he called, she called her and told him, my son has to tell you something. The cellmate who saw it all. And the real story is simple. 
he was playing basketball. He was really good at basketball. He went up in the air for like a layup and somebody was like mad at him and they clipped his leg and he fell and he cracked his skull when he hit the ground. But the guards, they, they didn't follow protocol is what happened. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm AED, first aid certified and stuff. So um, OSHA 10 certified and all that good stuff. So I could definitely save your life if you ever need me to. But <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? I don't care what color people are. I love them all. If you're black, white, Blue, purple, but if you're blue, help you because you're choking. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, but he, so I know what to do in situations like that. Somebody's choking, if somebody can't breathe, if somebody's mm -hmm. having a heart attack, I know how to give CPR. But um, he was, he, so he fell. When the guy tripped him, he hit his head on the concrete, cracked his skull, y'all. The back of his skull from like the crown, all the way back, cracked it. Mm -hmm. But it was underneath the skin, so you couldn't see it. So he was bleeding inside, internally, inside. He was hemorrhaging. Instead, so at this very moment, you see he's unconscious. He just hit his head on the ground. It's a knot. He's call at this moment as guards, you know, call the the first aid staff, the nursing staff, the medical staff. Call nine one one. Don't move him if you're not trained to do it. The guard let him lay there for like two three minutes, unconscious. And then he had inmates. Like you know, I'm a parent. I don't know if any of y'all are parents, but if you're a parent, if a kid busts their head and gets scarlet, like, don't go to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know not to go to sleep if you like. You bust your head, don't go to sleep because you could go in a cardiac arrest. We're not stupid. We're parents. Don't go to sleep. I'm tired. No, get, stay awake. So they let him lay there for two, three minutes. And then he had other inmates, the guard had other inmates pick him up and sit him on a bench. This whole time he's hemorrhaging inside of his skull, bleeding internally, and they just let him sit there like weakened at Bernie's or something. Mm. And then they took him. He had, the, he had so he kind of, he had him wake him up and sit him on a bench. And then at this point, my brother's like, you know, my body, I'm hot. Something's wrong. I'm hot. And then they walk him. He has two, like some other inmates help him inside. And his roommate's like, yo, something's wrong. Call the ambulance, all that. And they're not listening to him. So my brother's like, you know, when you're getting like a blood clot or something, he's like, I'm hot, instantly hot. I need some, I'm hot, sweating. I need something to cool down. So like, I need water. I need to drink water. And then they gave him a drink of water. And I, I'm only saying this because this is what had to be painted to us visually by those guys. You got to think. I had to cut my brother's hair and my cousin that died. So January 1st, 2015, I spent that day in the house, in the funeral home cutting my brother and cousin's hair side by side. Oh, they, were in, they were in the same room on two different slabs, and I was playing music that we grew up on, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, Pastor Choi, because we grew up <laughs> on you know, music like that. And I was just talking to them. Like, I, this is the last haircut I get to give them on, on earth. While everybody's celebrating the new year, I'm in a funeral home cutting my baby brother, who I taught how to cut hair, how to tumble, how to draw like me. He wanted to be like me. He followed me everywhere. And then I had my cousin, who was my closest cousin, and we were, they were both in front of me one head right here, bodies going that way, and I was playing music, cutting the hair, talking to him. And if you spend enough time with a dead body, it moves. So I spent like the most, and, I, and like I said, they got my brother's body, and they both got buried a day apart, but I, I spent that day in there cutting the hair, and like, it was crazy. So, but like I said, in the, in the prison, whenever they walked into the get water, whatever the case, mm -hmm. he, um, it was like kind of a done deal. So he fell to the floor, right? Now mind you, he cracked his skull outside on the court. So what happened was, protocol, medical procedure, you grab his feet, I'll grab his head, don't bother his neck, we're gonna pick him up, put him on a stretcher, right? One guard wanted to be Superman, he was like 300 something pounds. This is the story from the cellmate and other inmates once they got out of prison. One guard wanted to be like Superman and he decided I'll get him myself. He turned him over, but he did it so hard and forcefully, the cellmate said my brother's head, when he turned him over, my brother's head hit the concrete and he heard his vertebrae snap, snapping. And then they took him in the back room and let him sleep. Mm. And then he died. And they say he died at the hospital, right? So what really happened is the next, and then he said the next day, all of a sudden, all of these K2 flyers went up around the prison telling you the dangers of K2s and making you hallucinate and cause an accident. And then they called us on Monday and said he, so they said when they took him to the hospital, they found some K2 in his pocket. Mm. 
But that was like all then. And we literally, you know, won the lawsuit like three, four years later. But this is plays into the whole Ruby aspect and the Hef and the Goonies and all that stuff. I had, I had to tell that story that long so I can get to this point. 2001, 2015, January 1st, I'm thinking New Year. And um, I had to hold my mother up off the ground. We were in the funeral home and I couldn't. I couldn't cry. I couldn't do any of this because I had to be the strong one. Like, it's not going to get done. If I don't get his body, it's going to get burnt. All that. They're going to cover their tracks. Even the, even the um, autopsy, you know, the, the lady who did the autopsy, she called me, the coroner. She called me, and she was, like, talking on record. She was like, I'm going to call you for myself on later off record. And she called me, and she was like, they told me that he got overdosed with K2, and he did that. She said, when I examined him, he had his skull cracked from the front to back. And then when I cut his body, I swore all that. So we think somebody did even more to him than that, and they just covered it up. But... 2015, January 1st, I'm like, why? Why go? Should I go anymore? Should I even do hair anymore? All that good stuff. And that's whenever I met Ruby through Hef. I already met everybody on Hef in 2014. I met Rebecca. You know, they the first time I got in Hef, the very first day, I got brought in by Lori Holloway. Lori, Lori Holloway, a lady named Lori Holloway. I texted him. I call her Mama Bear. I love you, Lori. And mm -hmm. she found me in a barber form, and she was like, hey, we have this hairstylist form. I love your haircuts. Can I add you? At this point in time, I knew nothing about this industry. I was like in the hood cutting and stuff like that, basically. I didn't know this side of life. She brought wow. me to the forum and it was Rebecca's forum. It was like a couple thousand people at the point, at that time. And so she was like, okay, they didn't have any barbers in. Like Rebecca said, at that time, they didn't have any barbers in there. And they brought me in. And the first day I got in there and it was what, 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 what spotted, like what made it, Lori saw this eyeball haircut I did. I don't know if you've seen it, but I did an eyeball haircut in the back of someone's head, a girl undercut. And it was like, it looked so real like a tattoo and it just blew her mind. And then she brought me in and I shared haircuts and all that and literally, like 800, 2014, they had 800 comments, 1,000 comments, and I, I responded to every single comment. Wow. My engagement. I responded wow. to everybody, no matter what the question, because I'm always up anyway till 3, 4 in the morning, I'm answering every question. How did you get that? Oh, I took the clipper and I put the lever. I'm doing this shit for free. And then this time people are like, yo, that's when people like Ruby and the reach out like, yo, you can't be doing this stuff for free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're good at it, don't do it for free, right? When you're good at something, don't do it for free. But um, uh, I met them all, and Ruby was like, you know, we had always talked online, and we had this like connection. Like I, I fell in love with Ruby, but not in the sense of like I want to date her, marry her, like in her person, her spirit, energy. And she was like, she was having a Hanzo class in Virginia, February twenty third, and um, she was uh, February twenty third, uh, and she was having Hanzo there, Alexander Hurst, and B Seen. That's when I met B Seen. That's when I met B Seen for the first time, and all of that stuff. So um, I went. She flew me up there. She actually bought me a plane ticket because I wasn't just like, you know financially stable at You were balling. Yeah, I was not balling. I was washing paper plates in my house. <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, she flew me up there and like this is the moment I'm thinking like, should I even go on or whatever? And she was like, we, you know, we like your skills. Like even maybe you can do a pop-up class here and you can teach well, after they teach and do your like barber thing. So I went there. Hanzo was teaching. Alexander Hurst from Bayou One Salon in, in Florida, uh, like Panama City. And then, um, all right. And all of that. And uh, um, I met Hanzo and then Johnny Wright out of, I met B Scene, I met Ash Fortis, and then Johnny Wright, which is Michelle Obama's personal hairstylist, called Pete Thomas and was like, or text him and was like, hey, I'm gonna stop by. I'm like, Michelle Obama's personal hairstylist is about to stop by. <laughs> and then I mean that, that and then at that moment I, I I people had knew me that I didn't know knew me. And I was right. like, and then they saw me and I was like, I'm visible. It's time to crank this shit up. And then I left there, we I I, I broke the knob. 
I, I, I put the car in drive and I broke the, the, the knob. I broke it. I can't put it in park anymore. So uh, from there, we went on to do a class together. Me, Ruby, Shannon, Hobie, and Kill, which is a hairdo chick, and then Heidi Grether, all together, a collaboration class in Florida. And then from that, we had all met. Everybody knew everybody. Ruby knew Phil. Phil knew, and Jason knew, you know, these people. And then we all got to the BTC Hair Show in 2015, and everybody met in person. We were weirdos. We met offline. <laughs> and then we all just couldn't leave each other alone after the show. And then we went from there to going on to make the Goonies. And then, I, you know, I, Rebecca invited me. Like the very first day I was on HEP, the very first day within 24 hours, I was, they were talking about me possibly becoming an admin after just 24 hours. These people that had knew each other were talking about me becoming an admin wow. instantly. And Rebecca Taylor, thank you, Rebecca, because I'm, an, I'm a HEP admin now. But thank you, Rebecca. Love you so much for that. <laughs> and then not just that. Even more, this is why me and Rebecca's stories crossed. And just like I said, I'll, I'll wrap this up really quick on that. Me and Rebecca's stories crossed because whenever my brother died, I didn't play a pity party. Whenever he got killed, I didn't play a pity party. Him and my cousin, right? I had happened with funerals. I wasn't doing good with money. So I went on Facebook and I said, everything in my house is for sale. My car is for sale. You name your price, you buy it. I got to bury him. They told us the funeral was like 10000 you know, almost $10,000. I'm like, well, I don't have that. So I'm like, whatever you want, come buy it. Take, buy everything I got, I'll live outside. Because I've already been homeless anyway before and so they came in and then Rebecca broke the half rule I think that's the first time she broke the half rule there's no you know no fun uh, GoFundMe's in half and all that stuff the first GoFundMe without me asking Rebecca and the other admins started a GoFundMe for my little brother's funeral and raised three thousand something dollars back when half had only a couple thousand followers wow. and they and I, I didn't ask them and they gave it to me and that's my brother didn't get burnt because of that I got to give the funeral home to the deposit on the funeral and he got to get buried for that. Wow. And me and her, and we, me and her met at the Premier Orlando like 2016 and I gave her the biggest hug I ever gave anybody. <laughs> we met, you know, we met in person. Right. And that's when I also met Burgess and Lean and stuff like that. And that's why she, me and her, she, me and her, like we always had this inside thing. I'm like literally, and then one of the other admins who lives in Australia sent me a book of hugs. It was like a pug on the front. Like a book of pugs, <laughs> like a book of hugs. So I always be happy because these people that didn't even know me in the hair industry cared more than people around me. And they helped me bury my brother, so we, like, connected that way. That's beautiful, man. Like, my story is too long for a podcast, honestly. <laughs> for one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get you in again. Yeah, we yeah. need to get, do a couple. This I think so. Yeah, too many. So many. Yeah, we're already in, a, what, a minute 20? I mean, hour an hour 20. Yeah. We haven't even yeah, got half really, questions. Yeah. I, tell, man, I, I think I've heard, I heard Ruby's podcast, and then, like, you think I talk a lot? Right. Wait till you meet that guy. <laughs> 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 I have become him. Like, you know, right. whenever you're out somewhere, they're like, you know, something like it's something in the woods, wild animal, whatever. Like, where's he at? I'm he. Right. Go get him. I'm him. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I love it. Dude, man. Dude, I hate to cut this yeah, short. Yeah, we got but to. Cut it's too it short. Much. Yeah, it's, it's too, too much. much. Like, trust me, this is to be continued. There, there's so much unanswered. And yeah, definitely. I have, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's so much. Real. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, like, I just like to end the podcast because I know we got to go. Like, I just like, I, I love sharing my mentality with people because I know you can't change people. They have to change themselves. And I just want, like, if I can give people anything, it's like my train of thought and my mindset that I do because I, I share a lot of stuff in my classes. And I have, like, examples I do. Like, I'll tell people about being around. I have a joke that I heard from somebody else. I didn't make this joke up, but I always say it as a reference. I'm like, um, an elevator full of people smells different to a midget. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's very, very symbolic in life because you have people where you live at, right? Wherever you live at, there's somebody, a friend, you know, who's like, I want to move out of this dump. It's, I want to move out of Maryland. It's a dump. Man, it's, it's only messy people here. No, Maryland's not messy. You hang around messy people. Like, in that midget being around the genitalia area, he smells the genitalia region. Like, you know, right? If you're around messy people, you're going to think that this is messy. 
But if you're around good people like where I am at this podcast, you're going to see a whole different outlook on it, right? So I, I'll give the analogy that, and I'll tell them, like, this lion ring I wear, I call it the, the lion. I, I, so I have this thing about thinking. Don't do too much overthinking. A friend of mine says, um, overthinking will grab a hold of progress and decapitate it. So this right here, I have a thing, so I say, say, take, don't, just, don't do too much thinking. Just think king, break it in half. Think king, think like a king, think like a king. Think you're in control and you will be. And I have a question, I'll end it with this. I have a question I ask everybody in my class and I ask you fellas. And it's just to show people how powerful it is when it comes to being an educator, being a barber, being a podcast runner, what makes you stand out? What's the biggest animal in the jungle? Anybody? Elephant. Elephant, what's the strongest animal in the jungle? Elephant. Hippo. His mouth is so big when it grinds. Every time, it's, every time it closes his mouth, his teeth grind together. Hippos kill more humans a year than almost any animal in the wild. What's the fastest animal in the jungle? Cheetah. Cheetah can run up 75 miles for uh, 75 miles per hour for like a four-minute sprint time if they're really good at it, or 40 seconds, I believe. One, one of the two, 40 seconds or four minutes. But who's the king of the jungle? Lion. Because he thinks he is. And if he can walk, if a pack of elephants knows they can just step on him and crush him, why are they scared of him? He'll walk through and they will divide up, make a path for him. If a hippo knows they can bite him and kill him, why is he scared of him? A whole pack of them. If a cheetah knows they can outrun him, because a lion can only run like 30-something miles an hour for like a 40-second stretch. Now, the cheetah wins by a landslide. If they all can beat him in some kind of way, why are they scared of him? Because he thinks like he is. So when I approach a haircut, a hairstyle, when I approach this podcast, Cosmic Proper Show, I don't think at all I can't. I think I can and I fucking will. And that is speaking things into existence, action. And think king. Don't do too much thinking, break it in half. Think king. Think like a king. Think you're in control and you will be. Walk into a room. When I teach a class, I'm not, they're not, I don't have a class of a thousand people looking at me. I'm looking at them. When I meet a celebrity, I didn't meet, you know, Dave Chappelle. Because I met Dave Chappelle in El Paso. I didn't meet Dave Chappelle. He met me. He met Keon. Think like that. Thinking is powerful. Everything in this room is a thought. Mr. Keon Washington. I thank y'all for having me on this podcast, man. It's just too much. I I can't wait. Yeah. Dude, man. Like I said, I, I was looking for this for a long time, so. Yeah, it's too much. Hey, shout out Burgess, by the way, because I know we didn't get to talk about Burgess and Lee. I will share that that was my only gay moment in life that was close to being a gay moment. <laughs> Burgess, uh, the bloody butcher and bearded bastard, like when they won the Stylish Choice Award, because we became friends at the 2016 Premier Orlando show. When they won the Stylish Choice Award the next year for like breakout men's styling product, Burgess ran down the stairs. And like, you know how they dress. It was so weird because we all dressed weird, me and him. And I seen him coming down the stairs and like he got in slow motion. I don't know how he got in slow motion. It was like CJ from Baywatch. <laughs> and he was running towards me. I was like, he's looking at me and he's coming towards me. And I was like, how am I gonna, what am I going to do when he gets here? Because they had just one style, like style, men's styling product of the year. And he was coming in and Burtis and Lean, like they were running towards me. Like Burtis was. And then Burtis jumped and all I did was caught him. But I like kind of grabbed him by his thighs because I, I caught him. I didn't do it on purpose, but when he jumped, I grabbed him like you know. And then I just spin him in a circle, and I was thinking to myself, "This is the gayest shit ever, <laughs> right?" Because he was happy though, like two men celebrating. And I was like, I realized I'm spinning him in slow motion right now. And then we've all been tight since then. We just tell dirty jokes and whatever else because you know how those scumbag barbers are. But hey, Burtis, wherever. And then when they see me, they always ask me terrible jokes. And I have all of my jokes are filthy, y'all. Don't ever ask me a joke in public. You'll get right, reported on Facebook. We're not gonna we're not gonna do it on the podcast. Yeah, either. we're not. So yeah, but that's that. Yeah, shout out, bro. I love you, Burtis, man. He's my guy. I love Cosmoprof. This is an incredible company. Truly, a company full of values and like the LTC awards. I'm looking so forward to all these shows we have coming up. The barber battles that I'm now hosting, all of them. I mean, it's so much going on with Cosmoprof. I want everybody to go on to the, you know, license to create.com and to find it out.
and just keep up with us and follow Cosmoprop Beauty because they really bring stuff like this together. They're the ones that connected me with you guys for the podcast. Even yeah. though we knew each other on there, they, they made this happen. Yep. So I like working for a very genuine company around quality people. I don't care about a lot of followers. The quality of people is what matters to me. Both. Yeah, and we want to thank them as well. Yes. Absolutely. Mr. Cam Martian, thank you very, very much for joining thank us on your day off. <laughs> thank you all. <laughs> <laughs>